Ah. <laughs> Bila say na don reach Make na listen. Well, well. Simple. All right, you people are now tuned in to the greatest show you will hear this week. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. You are going to be in for a treat as usual. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and rate. We thank you for already doing that. And if you find value in any of our episodes, please share because I know for a fact that if you find value, I know people who you know will find value as well. Thank you for that. Have you ever sought to understand the black experience? Well, this podcast is designed to take you through just that. You come to find out that our take on the black experience is a holistic one combining the raw and vulnerable perspectives of immigrants from Africa and our African-American counterparts. You'll go on a journey with us as we explore the stories, challenges, and life lessons that create what you see today with this complex yet rich experience. Now, as you listen, may your own experience deepen and may you find more peace with who you are. For our villagers who live in Nashville, you may have heard of this restaurant or been to this restaurant before. And for our villagers who are nowhere near Nashville, this guy we chat with is the owner of the first black-owned taco restaurant in all of Nashville. It's called Tacos with a Twist. Tacos with a Twist is a perfect mixture of the high-energy culture in South Beach, Miami, and really, really good tacos. But today, we aren't just talking about good food here. You're going to hear a story about character, perseverance, homelessness, responsibility, luck, humility. Like, I can just go on and on and on. I seriously cannot wait for y'all to listen to this episode. Oh, and by the way, there's a surprise waiting for y'all in this episode. So you want to make sure you listen all the way through. Oh, and uh, have you voted yet? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the village. <laughs> it's your typical village boy, Chukwemeka. It's your boy, Victor Soko Wachisado. Why didn't you, man? Why are you trying to sound all chill, man? Vic is trying to sound all chill today. I don't know why. Um, but man, it's your typical village boy, Chukwemeka. We have here today a phenomenal guest, a really cool guest. So if you're in Nashville... And you've been to Tacos with a Twist. You've probably, uh, you know, seen the bright colors, right? That remind you of Miami, probably. The good tacos. I think me and Vic went there a couple weeks ago. He had the, did he have the hot chicken? What was it? Did. Hot chicken? I had the bang. My favorite is the bang bang shrimp. Bang bang shrimp. And so we tell you all that because we actually have uh, the owner of tacos with a twist with us today so uh mr william 
How you doing, man? Doing wonderful, man. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. Most definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. So I met William through my good friend, Aja, right? Yeah, Which, So, guy. yeah, great guy. So I met so I met William through Aja, who his girlfriend went to high school with you, right? Absolutely. Y'all went to high school, uh-huh. yeah. In Franklin. Franklin, actually, uh, Centennial High School. Centennial High School, yeah. That That's not, is that by the Sonic, like right there by the Publix? Yes, you know sir. That's Centennial? Uh-huh. I thought that was Independence. Is no, Independence in Franklin? Independence is close. Oh, okay. Yeah, Independence is close, but that's actually Centennial across the street from Sonic. Yeah. I used to go to that Sonic all the yeah. time, man. Yeah. The the happy hours and shit, man. Pretty dope. <laughs> um, but yeah, man. So, uh, met William and just a really cool dude, man. You know, when I first met you, um, you know, he came in like, <laughs> so funny. When he walks into his place, you would never know. You would never know he's the boss. You know what I'm saying? Which is the coolest thing. He came in, sat down, you know what I'm saying? He was just like looking around, just like making sure everything was straight. I was like, man, that's a cool ass dude, man. I was like, that is a cool dude. And then we started chatting up and, you know, told, told him about, you know, the vision and things like that. And I was like, man, we would love to have you on the podcast and just share your knowledge, you know, because you're really knowledgeable as far as your experience and things like that. And then now we're here. So we appreciate that, brother. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited. So. Yes, sir. So, yeah, I mean, pretty much, um, I remember when you texted me that you met William, and I was like, I was excited, obviously, because you, like, you said a lot of great things about him, but I think actually meeting him was like, even what you told me, he his presence and his energy was even more than that. And just his hospitality, like, in the sense of, like, the way he treated us and gave us food, like, he made sure we were okay, and just, like, I'm a very analytical person, just analyzing how he was, like, talking to people around him. You could tell people, he treats people well, and people really appreciate him as well, so I think... I'm excited for this episode just to like get a view into his mind and how it works and how he does what he does. By the way, Victor is like a big fan of taco, so he definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he de- he definitely back, loved that. Back, he definitely <laughs> loved that. We always willing to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, William, uh, let's talk a little bit, man. Where for you, where does your journey start? You know, uh, of course, you guys are uh, Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, I'm a uh, I'm definitely a Franklin native, born and raised in uh, Franklin, Tennessee, born in Nashville, actually. Uh, so for our followers who don't know what Franklin is like, how would you describe Franklin? <laughs> Franklin, you know, uh, most people, if you think of Williamson County, let me start at that point. Yeah. You think of Williamson County being like this place of of uh, wealth and richness because mm-hmm. it does have some type of wealth, you know, on the United States um, um Actual figure, but yeah. but Williamson County is actually a great place. You know, it's, it's not a place for um, for for people to. You know, you you have a a minority um, genre that people actually look into and they they wonder where. Hey, Williamson County is it all uh, all whites or mm-hmm. Caucasians um, yeah. prefer to? But actually, it has a, a real good demographics of African Americans in it. Um, yeah. That that. Have, have grown up and it, it, there is struggle in Winston County. It's not all bright lights and yeah, sunshine yeah. as people think because you're, you are on the map as a really um, wealthy, wealthy yeah. county mm-hmm. you know, as a whole. So people misconstrue that. Cause like, you know, I, I've, I've worked in, I've worked in Williamson County for five years now. And so like, it's, it's very easy to get blinded. Like when you get off of, like if you're in Nashville, if you get off of like, you know, Moore's Lane or like Cool yeah. Springs, right? You see the mall, you see all these, you know, nice restaurants and nice cars, right? 
and it's very easy to get blinded by that but when you drive a little deeper into uh into these areas you start to see like okay like it's 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 some it's some it's some rural parts too it's some hard-working parts as well you know it's not just all um fancy like you said you know absolutely you know with uh from where i grew up is 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 of course the, all the nice parts, you know, outside of Brentwood, you know, Williamson County, um, the Cool Springs wasn't here. Uh, the mall wasn't built. We used to ride our four wheelers as kids uh, <laughs> from one of the uh, the predominantly black neighborhoods, yeah, actually right. called Hill Estate and, and Cadet off mm-hmm. of uh, Liberty Pike. So we used to drive our four wheelers over the mountain and watch them build the mall and build oh, this area. This is all dude. farmland back in 1989, 90, 91, when they was building and developing all this. So we were a part of that. But I come from a deeper part yeah. within uh, uh, Williamson County, which is Franklin, downtown yeah. Franklin. People may have heard of a couple of streets called Natchez, and yeah. Cherokee, and mm-hmm. Hard Bargain. Um, those are the parts that I'm from. Those are, mm-hmm. you know, Williamson County, like I say, there's, it's not all lights and sunshine. There yeah. is, there's, there's grunt, there's struggle. For sure. And that's where we were yeah. struggling, trying to get to the outskirts <laughs> of these places it. that they're building up. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I think naturally, like Mecca said, it's like when you hear Williamson County, the thing that pops up in your head is affluence and <laughs> places that are fancy and stuff. And I remember growing up, I played soccer in Williamson County because the soccer team was called, um, Brownwood Soccer Club. It's a tribal soccer team. And like, I was like the only black kid on the team, but everyone was white. And it was a, like, to afford the fees for the team, you had to be pretty well off. So like all my teammates were like rich. So like I'd go to their house and I'm like, oh shoot, like everything in Williamson County is like this. And it wasn't until like I went to like high school and when I went to college and I started meeting people from there, then I noticed, okay, there's still another different part to it that like you don't necessarily go unless you engage with somebody that's from there. So So for you growing up in in this area that was predominantly white for the most part, but you mentioned there's obviously minority. Like, how how did that shape you as as a man of color, like an African American man, culturally? For myself, you know, uh, I, I guess the word perspective came in as a, as a young age, and perspective and perception, because you know, you when you're growing up. Um, as a seven, eight, nine year old playing youth football, you know, your team is predominantly white and, you know, you're, they're driving nicer cars and we had to walk. You know, we had to enjoy mm-hmm. the bicycles or moms yeah. are working two jobs. So yeah. we were wondering where our family support is not as strong as the next person on the team. And, um, you know, when it started, started from there, that was my uh, perception of like, why come we can't get the same support? Like we're, we're all human, you know. You're not yeah. understanding it's a it's a financial thing or yeah. or it's a work ethic or what may be behind it. Mm-hmm. But in all reality, um, there was a lot of our culture that was just struggling uh, with often that, and I wouldn't learn it to a to a, a later point in my life. But you know, being around um, at a, at an early age, it actually gave me inspiration. Mm. And believe it or not, like mm-hmm. it was, it was nice to to cut off and and be able to go have lunch or dinner at your your teammates' house that was a little yeah. bit more um, well prominent and, and and well off and, yeah. and had a little bit more uh, blessings than mm-hmm. we had. Mm-hmm. Although we were blessed, uh, the mm-hmm. blessings just seemed to be heavy mm-hmm. on their side because as a kid you don't understand yeah. The, yeah. the the goods and the rights of blessings. Yeah. You know? So for myself, it was uh, it was a uh, definitely an eye opener and right. it was motivating. Uh, because we knew football and sports and athletics was one of the only way that we could get out of this place without doing anything illegal. Right. So. Right. That's so fascinating you say um, 
it was motivating and inspiring because, you know, some people could look, really look at that and like be resentful, mm-hmm. you know, and be like, damn, like, why I got this and we don't, yeah. you know, which then leads you down a completely different path, right? So, like, what would you say it was about you as a person at that time where you was like, damn, like, this actually inspires me, you know? I think for myself, not understanding the, the difference between like, a uh, love and material things. You know, mm-hmm. you, when you don't have love and, and you got absence at home, you start loving things that, that don't mean anything to you. You start, mm-hmm. uh, enduring in the cars and, uh, clothes and, um, things that people have that perceive to be, you know, um, successful, but in reality, they're not. And I think that's where my 10, 11, 12 year old self was starting to endure because, I was I was raised with my mom and um two sisters. Mm-hmm. Um dad was was in the area, great man, mm-hmm. but he just wasn't around as much. Mm-hmm. So uh my mom was my, my dad and my mother. And your, yeah. Uh but it was hard to be that when you weren't around. You know, right. you, you come to raising yourself and you allow these material things to create growth and perception where there's MTV rap videos yeah. mm-hmm. or the, the the local guy rolling down the road with the nicest car and yeah. you don't even know how he got it, but you just want to figure out how to be like him, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I was thinking about this today or yesterday, how, you know, when our parents aren't around, like, our, like, it's certain, like, the systems, the streets, like, certain uh, uh, media, that becomes our parent, you know? That becomes, you know, replaces um a strong foundation and then we're we're left to learn from that you know and whether it's good or bad like you know i think that's that's also based on perspective too whether it's good or bad but i think it's what you do with what you learn from that because you could learn about it and be like damn it's not the way i want to go <laughs> you know what i'm saying then go like completely different route yeah i mean i think it flows back on what you're saying where when there's an absence of like parenting, like naturally you look at it in different places. And a lot of times the places you look at it are not the healthiest places because you're a kid and you don't have to, you don't have the perspective of life yet and you don't know enough or have enough information to decipher what is good or bad. So I think there's a lot of problems in our communities flow off that because it's not like sometimes people say you have a single parent or whatever. Like sometimes your parents are in the house, but financially they just have to provide so many, so much that they don't even have the energy to pour into you. And it's the same thing that you could, you might have two parents in the house, but like you're still not getting the adequate parenting that you need to, to be thorough enough to make those decisions. And that's why you see people look at it from the streets or they look at celebrities for that guidance or gangs or whatever. So like a lot of that, that's like a symptom of like a larger issue. And I think it's important that we talk about it because like that's what our brand is about, you know? And what's so cool is like back home, you know, where we come from, um, it's it's almost like for us to experience, you know, you not having your parents around. It's almost rare from my from what I remember. And and on top of that, not only do you have both parents most of the time, but you also have like a community around you as well. Yeah. You know, um, what was that like? Like, cause cause I cause I've seen a lot of you know Black Americans today where you grew up around basically like almost all your family. Like you got hella cousins, hella aunts in the area. Like, was that like the same thing for you? Or was it just your immediate Absolutely. family? Absolutely. Um, for myself, I grew up in a family of 21 aunts and uncles. Damn. So when Jeez. we say we, like, that guy's my cousin, <laughs> he's for real my cousin. <laughs> yeah. and then, That's you know, crazy. You, you got the first and second, you know, you, you don't count much after that, yeah. but yeah. that was enough. But, you know, you become a product of your environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you become um, 
what you're around because that's all you know. Mm-hmm. We, we hadn't made it to Brentwood yet because mm-hmm. we had never had a reason to make it out there. Mm-hmm. Or Cool Springs wasn't built. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we became what we were. Mm-hmm. And that was um, that's what we thought was okay. And that was what we seen or deemed to be acceptable. Yeah. Um, whether it was... Uh, you know, dropping out early because you can, you can think you could do it in the streets or, mm-hmm. um, you know, being around people that perceive to have a, some type of hood stature. Mm-hmm. We, we didn't have any NFL players running around our neighborhood. Right. So you, you, you find that guidance to look up to when mom and dad's not there. Yeah. Not that you don't love them or you think the word of them, you know, absence is, mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it was growing up. And uh, we're not talking, one year, two years, you're talking from the age of seven to in the high school, yeah, you know? Yeah. So it, it becomes really, um, yeah. you become adapted to that. That's and and you respect them because they're working hard. Yeah. So it's like, how do you tell them not to go handle their business yeah. as an adult and to provide, to make sure you got those Jordans on your feet mm-hmm. or whatever those the small things that you want because that's what you're attached to. Yeah. We're not mm-hmm. attached to, to good meals and, and uh, breakfast in the morning dinner at night together no mom cooks spaghetti and we eat that for three days mm-hmm. because she knows she's going to be working hard from monday to wednesday you know mm-hmm. and that pasta last you know mm-hmm. so we um that's powerful man that you understood that at a young age like i respect that you know um and one thing i, I was actually talking uh to my girl about was you know it's so interesting that when you grow up in rural areas you know at the time like franklin and you know um versus growing up in the city it's almost like that sense of family is a lot stronger in the rural parts than it is in the city you know like when you're in the city so spread out it's so busy it's so like you know metropolitan where you almost lose a sense of like family almost you know and, and then like your friend group becomes smaller you know and then you're forced to now like hang on to like the little friends that you have versus when you grew up in a space where, you know, it wasn't as busy, it wasn't a lot going on, like you had, like family was all you had, you know what I'm saying? So I was, I was curious about like the, the contrast between that and how, you know, uh, uh, grow, where you, growing up where you grew up, um, had an effect on you and how you viewed family, right? And now I'm saying that cause that, that kind of happened to me too, like growing up in the cities, um, you know, that affected my, like my sense of family, you know, cause, it was just more, I was just more very independent. You know, I was like, I just didn't really understand the concept of family. You know what I'm saying? But I feel like if I would have grown up where we come from in the villages, you know what I'm saying? Um, it just would have been a lot stronger. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, um, so I respect that. I really respect the fact that um, you're more of a family guy. You know, that's cool to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Your family, that's, that's the backbone of it, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, we mm-hmm. typically uh, learn for them first, yeah. whether we know it or not. For sure, you know, that, that's the start of it all. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, for me, it wasn't the size of the family they helped create it. Mm-hmm. It was just the important people that I happened to be around. They helped create it because mm-hmm. you know, of course, everything is quality is not in numbers mm-hmm. for myself. And that's it was uh, it was just uh, being around some very uh, influential individuals that may not have had a, a college diploma or high yeah. school diploma, mm-hmm. but they taught morals, mm-hmm. qualities, very simplistic things mm-hmm. that we as um, we as youth, I think, 
could use mm-hmm. versus sitting down and, and focusing on reading books, which are great, mm-hmm. and education is great when it comes to mathematics and science. Yeah. What about being a good person and learning how to do something that your mom asked you mm-hmm. to do? Or what about opening a door for a lady? Let's go back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the things is people say, from my neighborhood, a.k.a. the hood, yeah. they lack. And if you can't get, get past a yes, ma'am, and no, sir, probably not much intelligence is going to come behind that's you because you're not going to have an opportunity for a conversation mm-hmm. to discuss how smart you are. Yeah, you know? that's true. I, I totally agree. I think um, like I think once you're in a space that you have so little, you learn how you learn how to be resourceful and you learn how to do so much with so little. And that flows into so many different things. And I think it's important that you brought up that um, that concept of like people pouring into you and they might not necessarily by societal standards be have degrees or be prominent, but there's still knowledge and ethos and principles that they could pour down into you. So I think a lot of times our society, sometimes we feel like we shouldn't pay attention to people that are not prominent simply because they don't have money or they don't have status. But we miss so many germs because because of that perception, you know what I mean? And then we put on these other people on the pedestal because they have all this money. And a lot of times they're not saying shit that we need to actually listen to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's where you, like, it flows back to things like you hear people going to celebrities about politics or whatever, and they misconstrue this idea that, like, um, genius in one field, like, means intelligence in another. And some of the smartest people I've met are people that don't have degrees, but, like, you talk to them and have a conversation with them, there's a lot of wisdom from just, like, Going through life and life beating them to submission and telling you, hey, look, this is what you shouldn't do. So I think we as society, we need to pay attention more to just giving everyone an equal ear in the sense of like everyone has something impactful that they can say to you. And it's your job to decipher decipher that regardless of money or status or whatever that society claims you should put on the pedestal. So. If you follow the path of the elephant through the tall grass, you do not get soaked with dew. What does this mean? So what I just read to you is an African proverb. It's teaching the youth how to follow the path of the elders. And I can't speak for every sub-Saharan African country or Caribbean country, but I strongly believe it's very, very similar in these other places. It's almost common law to respect and listen to anyone who is older than you. Age, where we come from, is synonymous to wisdom. And so we sometimes follow blindly to people people's advice if they're older. And you're expected to do this with basically little to no resistance. But is this a wise thing to do? Like, how do we actually grow if it's frowned upon to challenge the advice given to us? Now, in America, it almost seems like this way of thinking is almost non-existent. Instead, it's about the results that one produces that seem to be the reason why the youth will listen. You know, our generation is seen to adopt this quote. Don't take advice from people you wouldn't switch places with. This makes a lot of sense, especially if they're successful in what you desire to do. What gets tricky is when we believe that because they're successful in one area, that every other area is just as successful. And so we blindly follow yet again. 
like yeah like this person's bank account could be cool and like might be really nice but their kids could really hate their guts <laughs> you know because they may be like a really terrible person again is this a wise thing to do i'm curious about what you think so in the article i read about you from black business boom it um it talked about how at a at a young age you were able to first of all meet the original owner of bb kings i think right that's correct and then and then i think at 20 and then the next year you were able to fully own your own nightclub yeah it, it started with a guy um hopefully it's okay to say his name tommy um tommy's actually the originator of um the franchise, the BB Kings franchise, you know, from yeah. in Florida, it actually started in Memphis. Yeah, uh, I, I met Tommy um, just being a young guy, enjoying an awesome uh, restaurant and, and bar down in Nashville back in two thousand and four, I believe. Okay, and uh, just going down there and uh, you know uh, enjoying myself as, as just a, a young man and mm-hmm. hanging out and loving just you know what real big into to rap clubs or anything. I love just good music. Vibes, you know, energy. Vibes, man. Yeah. That's really what it is, yeah. man. Just, vibes, man. Even, you know, at the age of nineteen, twenty, yeah, BB Kings is my favorite restaurant. Really? You know? Besides all the clubs and things that yeah. were going on in Nashville, it was open in Nashville at that time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it, it opened. Wow. I want to say in two thousand and one. Wow. Okay. Um, so it was open, um, up and running, strong place. I mean, the food yeah. was excellent, great staff, and, and I was started going down there, mm-hmm. and um, you know, working my way into people. Preaching on the morals, not mm-hmm. mathematicals, mm-hmm. uh, put me in a situation to where we, you know, we, we were able to, to meet some good people mm-hmm. that was, um, put us in a position. And that led to me meeting actually Tommy, who mm-hmm. doesn't work in the business. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he has multiple, multiple places all the way from LA to, right. to um, Florida, but, um, I had an opportunity to, to meet him and, and, and explore some, um, some club lounge opportunities with him yeah. down the road. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really cool how, like, man, it's the basics that get you where you need to get to. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, and you see, and, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, I, I spent a lot of time reading all these business books and listening to these business gurus and shit like that. But at the end of the day, bro, it's about being a good person, yeah. bro, and treating yeah, people man. good. It's so that's simple. It. That's it. It's so simple. And, and that's one thing I've learned, I've learned just the few times we met from you is you just treat people good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then everything else flows from that. So, so for you, like, how did that, how were you able to, like, translate those morals into, like, a business world, into running your own lounge at the time at 21? You know what I'm saying? Like, talk to us about that. So it, it actually started, um, rewind back, maybe like my high school days, later high school, uh, growing up, you know, with, um, 21 aunts, excuse me, 21 aunts and uncles, uh, out in the country of Nolensville. Uh, we had quite a bit of land that they all grew up on. So we started out by throwing field parties, you know, we discussed about, <laughs> which are fun, exciting. I'm yeah. sure, uh, if you had never been to a field party, definitely try a field yeah. party. It's, it's 100% <laughs> fun. And there's no care in the world. No one cares what you do. So yeah. just be safe by doing it. But, um, we started out there and uh, I created a following uh, in high school because my family had the land in order for us mm-hmm. to get out, enjoy good food, a uh, field party for us to hang out, eat good food, and just enjoy ourselves. And that following rolled over into the age of nineteen twenty with going to BB Kings, and people started wondering, well, hey, where's the party guy at? Mm. Where's he at all the time? He's the one that knows the people. 
He's he's been hosting these parties since he was a sophomore in high school and mm-hmm. made some really good connections. Uh, and so that rolled over into uh, me having an abundant amount of people at BB Kings. I mean, I, I think at some point I was actually bringing more people to BB Kings than there was in the actual building. Right. And I wasn't even <laughs> 21. And the, That's wild. The, they approached me with the opportunity. Yeah. And was like, man, what do you do? Yeah. He <laughs> said, throw parties in high school. They yeah. said, holy smokes. Like, yeah. who are all these people? You know, and, and that's, that's where it grew into it. The following and, um, the respectful people. Mm-hmm. My friends were great. You yeah. Know? So sure. I think that's awesome. I think, I think it's interesting how like God prepares us for the places we're supposed to go to. Cause I feel like when you're, Throwing those parties, you're not thinking nothing of it. You just, I just want to have fun. You know what I mean? Like that's the vibe. I just want to have fun. But like those skills you learn in that space and networking and getting people out there is what prepares you for where you are right now. So I think it's important that like a lot of times we do things and we don't, we think that like we don't understand how the journey of life works sometimes because the things that the seeds that we plant today might materialize like 10 years down the route down the road but we might think they're just pointless right now but in reality those are the things that are preparing us for the space that we need to get to and also it flows on that thing where mecca said about just being a good person i think like <clears throat> the person coming up to you to like say that shows a reflection of who you are because like i'm sure you've been there a lot he's probably analyzed you as a person seen you and that goes to your morals your ethos your principles and those things are things you can't fake regardless of how you get yourself into a room if those things don't match up you're going to be out of the room quick so i think at the end of the day it's like it goes back to your childhood and like learning from people that pour into you and just not trying to like sneak your way into places you know what i mean just trying to be a good person and like Mecca said that sets the foundation for everything else and all these books are cool they give you all the theories but theories don't mean anything if you deep down inside your a selfish person that's trying to that's trying to get something out of somebody else and i think people appreciate it when you're just a good person because a lot of times in society these days people are just materialistic and they're trying to get something for themselves so that's facts it's very facts and then like the thing about it is like when you're innately like a bad person like you just don't have the good intentions and then you learn like the theories it just makes it worse because like then you know how to manipulate people for real and then it just becomes like this Donald Trump. I'm just <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I'm just, jo- I'm just joking. Um, so for you, like, w- I'm curious, like, what was it like running a bar, or is it a bar or a lounge? Like, so at, at that point in time, it was a lounge. Okay. Um, man, it was uh, it was crazy. I was 21 years old. You were tw- yeah, that's what that's wild. that's actually what I'm really like. Fascinated with you were twenty one running an entire lounge Second Avenue downtown Nashville. Damn, absolutely. It was uh, it was exciting, uh, nervous because yeah. I'm learning. You know, at yeah. that point, I didn't on know what, what was going on. Yeah. yeah, it just seemed like a life was fast. Mm. It just seemed fast. I only had the place uh, uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday nights. Uh, all the other nights were booked for private events. Mm. But you know, we did well within it. Uh, my obligation was to make sure I fixed the place up and I brought people in. Mm-hmm. I had no rent. I had to pay no workers. He used the workers from upstairs at BB Kings. Oh, wow. Um, and you know, we worked a deal from that point. And so I got all of my door and 18% of sales. And it was my wow. first, besides the three or four dollars. You, you got 18% of the I got 18% of sales. That was our deal. Uh, gross yeah. sales. I got 18% and all the door. So whatever I want oh, to wow. charge, 
That was it. <laughs> and so all I all I had to do was yeah. I didn't care about margins. I didn't yeah. care about bar numbers. No. I need to bring people in <laughs> yeah, and spend money. Yeah. And I, did, I didn't understand it. It wasn't yeah. to me what numbers in. It was mm-hmm. call my friends. Yeah. They had a lot of money. Yeah. Maybe doing something they ain't supposed yeah. to. But they had, had some money in their pocket. Come through and spend money. At the right. end of the week, I need to see what my 18% was. Yeah. So that was a deal that we struck, and uh, um, it was fun. I think I probably partied more than they did, you know, being <laughs> 21. You know, uh, it was uh, it was fun. We're about really fast. Yeah, so. yeah. When did you when did you get out of that? So we we ran for about a for about a year, a little over a year, and um, an actual uh, Hispanic um, club had came in and, and offered to actually. Um, leased a place for five years because I wasn't paying a lease. Uh, I didn't have to pay any of that. That wasn't part of my deal because yeah. uh, he had a place that was just setting for two years already. So he was like, hey, well, just give it a shot. And yeah, make do some something money off it. it. Yeah. yeah, and so they uh, they came in and uh, they, he, did a, he did me a solid on this one. Um, he sat down with me, very respectful, and this is one of the reasons I say he's one of my biggest influencers mm-hmm. uh, versus just saying, hey, I have no contracts or obligations with you. See you later. Yeah. He said, Hey, I'd like to buy you out. How much money did you put in this place? You know, what did you do to fix it up? Cool. Well, I give you that and six months of uh of pay that you've actually had earned. Mm. And I said, No way. Yeah. Wow. And so he, you know, he said, as long as you agree to it, though yeah. we didn't have any contractual agreement, yeah. this is morals of a man. Mm. You know, went home, thought mm, about it, mm, and came mm. back and said, Man, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Means I basically get six months of what my previous pay was and my money I invested back yeah. so that he can do his thing. Yeah. Life is good. You know? <laughs> so, so that that was that was my first understanding of what business was mm-hmm. and how, you know, what my, my heart was is really having people have a good time mm-hmm. turn into a profitability. Mm-hmm. That was my first um way of ever understanding that as a as a young man because mm-hmm. being 21 22 to me you're still a young yeah. man you're still yeah. learning we have a lot to yearn yeah. especially uh running something of that magnitude mm-hmm. when you're you know over 17 18 employees at that current time yeah. and i'm 21 and i'm probably the youngest one in the building yeah so. <laughs> that's i think that's a testament to him as well like you said i think like the fact that he did that shows his morals as a man it shows yours as well but it's i think it's a testament to how we like naturally attract people that are similar to us or like have the same ethos or whatever because like that's not the case a lot of times in business deals people are just trying to make a profit and they're like all right whatever like i get them out the door i get this person in but i think it also set the pedestal for you to treat your employees like that as well because you saw how you benefit benefited from that and how that made you feel you know what i mean so i think it's important that like that cascading cascading thing keeps going on because like for example me and Emeka saw you the way you were treating your employees, the way you were communicating with that. Eventually, when we own a business, that's naturally going to be like the template we're going to take because we see how they're how happy they are. We see how calm you are. Uh, I can't even speak anymore. We see how calm you are in that space and how it just makes them feel appreciated. So I think everything just flows back to morals and just being a good person. But my question is like at that age, right? Running the thing of that magnitude, what were some like, hardships that you face especially in the sense of like i think with liquor things get get escalated a little quicker too like what were some things that you face like hardships that you face or like just funny stories that that space that you had in that space um envy jealousy 
Uh, some of the things. Was it from your employees? It actually from people. Some of the people you grow up with. Some uh-huh. of the people that um, they they felt like they should be a part of it, or they they may have thought that the opportunity wasn't deserved, you know, or whatever the reason w- was behind it. But yeah. to have such a, a great privilege, you know, and and they would offer that because we're from this place of, of struggle that we had discussed. Um, you versus them being more open-minded and coming to support so that we can do something great for all of us and have fun. It was, no, oh, man, how did he get that? Mm-hmm. You know, versus, mm-hmm. like I say, getting together and having fun. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and enjoy. So I, that was my, my first time, I think, that I had seen, you know, you may hear things growing up of being the party guy and stuff like that, you know, but that was the first time, you know, you may see it. You know, mm-hmm. you may see people, see people kind of looking at you funny while yeah. they're having a drink, like, who are you? You know, mm-hmm. I'll look at you. You think you're this, you know, you got this nice watch on or whatever. That was my first time seeing it publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was tough to deal with. And, and cause that was family. Right? Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and you see people, uh, that come in and, um, I've, I've never, and I said never, uh, wanted to be that one that always wants the, the attention mm-hmm. more humble and, and yeah. attempt to be laid super back humble, and laid super back. humble yeah. so I was you know being the youngest one in there I would yeah. probably be standing beside the bar and not saying much to yeah. one and, and other people would, would would point me out and it was a uh, it was like this this little young guy yeah. you know and that, that's what it was yeah. and one of the things that, that I dealt with more than anything was oh he's just a drug dealer mm. because people from where we come from, yeah. they're not supposed to have done something so yeah. nice at such a young age yeah. without doing it illegally. Yeah. No, we did it morally. You know, we did it all great contacts and character yeah. um, and great business decision. It wasn't done illegally, yeah. you know, uh, and that was one of the uh, probably the most um, the most heartbreaking things yeah. because, you know, it, it almost like kind of a. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. Yeah. You know, you like you might as well go get it and go right. do something wrong because they're gonna think you doing it anyway. Right. Might as well put a little sugar on it. Yeah. So that that was one of the things that upset you. It's it's a deterring mm-hmm. factor. Yeah. Um, I was just about to ask you that. Like, did that? I was gonna ask. Like, how did that affect you emotionally? Because you know, trying to work hard and do it the right way. But still being labeled, you know, yeah. something completely different is like a catch twenty two. Is like, like you said, damned if you do, damned if I don't. It's, um, it's, it creates this this monster mm. that people don't see uh, because you attempt to be uh, who you're not at that point, and mm. you're you're a great person. You 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 want to take care of people, but they're perceiving you as something, and um, you want to. Do what you got to do to try to change people's thoughts, which is almost mm-hmm. impossible to do Definitely. because you don't control them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes you, to a point, do things out of your character because you're mm-hmm. hoping to change something that's, like I say, this impossible. And at that point, we, we, Trying to think of my thoughts. We, we as man, we, you almost break down inside. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you don't have this, um, this clear thought of, well, I need to focus on the next thing that I have going mm-hmm. or how to get there because you're constantly dwelling on the things that you thought brought the happiness. In reality, people are looking down on you for even attempting to do something legitimate or something mm-hmm. great. They're, they're still bashing you, you know, so you're back at that point of like, man, who cares what you do at this point? Like, yeah. it, it doesn't even care if life is good. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't care. These people don't, don't, all don't think well. And yeah. some 
salute you, congratulate you, and say how proud they are. Um, but you knew in, in some eyes that they were there, you know, conspiring on your downfall and mm. hoping that you close sooner than, than later. So. That's crazy. Yeah, envy is a huge thing. And like you said, like people just looking at you with that side eye. It's so weird that people, like you could just sense it. Like it's like an energy thing. You could just sense when somebody's like looking at you in a certain way where like they might not have to say it, but like the energy's there. You're like, okay, like I could feel the deceit. I could feel like the envy. I could feel the resentment. But also, I think Jay Z made a good point where he was talking about this. He was like, it's almost like you're fighting phantoms of their, of their imagination because they have this thing in their head of like, this is what a black man should look like, or this is how a black man becomes successful. If he's not a rapper, if he's not playing ball, if he's not, then he has to be selling crack. And like, it, it like pushes the ones, the ones that want to actually do it correctly away sometimes because, like you said, you get to that position, and when you want your respect, it's like they still try to minimize that. And that's a, it's a very hurtful thing because you've, you know, the sweat you've put into it, you know, the energy you've put into it for someone to try to minimize your success or put you in a box that you're not in. It's a very hurtful thing. So I think there's a lot of trauma in that space because like you said, it just makes you more callous and it makes your heart more callous in the sense of like, you, now you don't care. You know what I mean? And like you said, it's, you start operating from this contrived place where it's not necessarily from like a place of kindness. It's like, well, I'm going to show you this type, like I'm going to show you this. And that's where it becomes like, it just emotionally destroys us as well. So it's, it's crazy that you have to deal with that when you're trying to do the right thing as well. So, um, man, it's, I can't, cause I've honestly, I've never personally experienced that. Um, but just to like empathize with that, like, yeah, it'll make me like piss, like, you know, and and honestly, I don't know what I'll do, but I respect you for your composure, you know, and and not quitting and not actually going to the streets, you know, and and uh, you know, keep the right path, you know, keep your morals and stuff like that, and it eventually it paid off, you know, it paid off in a great way, you know, and it's still paying off, you know. That's when you were after that you went into real estate. Yeah. It, so once the once the deal worked um, and everything was settled, um, this was around 2005, 2006, if I remember correctly. Um, I had a nice check you know, for, for that size. <laughs> yeah. Boy, like it was legit too. <laughs> so like, the check did bounce. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Like we could do something with this. You know. Like this ain't no you know street money. So yeah. Like, for us, we we're like, all right. Well, what did I want to do? Um, and so for my mom was a very hard worker, you know, as I had said back previously, worked all the time. Mm -hmm. And I say had never owned her own house. Mm -hmm. was always renting, staying with the uncle or aunt. Mm -hmm. So um, this was when the real estate market was really great. Mm -hmm. I was between 21, 22 at this time. So this uh, must have been what, like 06, 07? 06, yeah, it was 06, yeah. 05, actually, between oh, 05 and 06. Okay. Um, the market was great. Um Life, life was good for me. And like I said, mm -hmm. just got a check. So I was like, Hey, you know, it's, it's time to invest. Mm -hmm. and, and that's one, the one thing that Tommy had told me, he, mm -hmm. you know, he said, well, what's next for you? And I was like, I don't know, find a, find a business or something. Yeah. He said, get into some real estate. And I was like, oh, 
I had no idea what he's talking yeah. about. But I said, at least I go buy a house. Yeah. And so uh, got my credit together. I went and bought three houses at oh, one wow. time. Uh, I Man, bought me. Yeah. 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 I remember that. What was it, like ten to 15000 each? Uh, no, what that was that was later on. This these oh, okay, these okay, houses okay. were actually uh, nice houses. These one hundred sixty five thousand. Not that that matters, but it was <laughs> yeah. it was more than you know the, yeah. the the more of the the hood houses that we bought and okay. renovated uh, okay. later on in the story. But we um, I purchased a nice house for my mom. It was a three bedroom, one and a half. Nice for me, you know, from where I come <laughs> yeah. from. So, so it wasn't probably what nice to the next person. But we were blessed, man. Like all the floors mm-hmm. are intact. Mm-hmm. You know, the ceiling was good, and yeah. all the lights work. You know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. so. Was was this in Franklin or the, somewhere the, next? I was actually at this time. I was in Rutherford County. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, out by TSU. Uh, sorry, MTSU. Yeah. And so, uh, shout out to the uh, Blue Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we were out there. That's where I was going to school at the time. So uh, I end up after I didn't finish school at that point, mm-hmm. and uh, end up renting from a couple of buddies of mine. Uh, I just love the area. Mm-hmm. Just love, you know, Murfreesboro is great. And, yeah, uh, for me, it's growing a lot. So it's growing a I drug lot. Drug my mom all the way from Franklin. Yeah, to be in this house because it was, you know, it was affordable. And for people, like, people who are listening, if you like Franklin to Murfreesboro is far. Like it's far. almost an hour. Yeah. Especially if you were deep in Franklin. That was probably like over an hour. You know what I'm saying? But the houses were a third of the price. So, you know, financially, it It makes sense. sense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 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 So we can make up for that, for that, that rent or that mortgage that you're hoping to pay there. Right. Get out here. We can get it. Right. I was blessed enough and very thankful to, um, to be able to purchase a couple of houses. I bought one for myself, one for my mom. Um, a little cash left over. So. Bought a rental house mm-hmm. that I thought was going to be a rental house, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so you know I can elaborate on that. Um, <laughs> uh, you know how it is being twenty one, twenty two, and some yeah. of your fellow brothers are nineteen, eighteen, seventeen. You want to rent this place out to your friends? Yeah, the worst idea. Ever. <laughs> yeah. I was I was reading about that in the article, and it worst, said worst. it said like they they kind of fucked it up a little bit. Yeah, so I bought this really nice property. <laughs> I, I'll never forget it's in it was in Rockvale, Tennessee. It's out in the country. Um, Damn. Got it as a foreclosure. Yeah, um, really good deal. At least I thought it being. So you bought it from the bank? Uh, yeah, I bought it from the bank. That's kind of cool. Uh, kind of led through my realtor. Yeah. Uh, it's my third deal that I had done at that time. Mm-hmm. So we had a, had a three bedroom, two bath house, four acres. It's like nice, two car garage. Damn. I'm like, this was just as nice as my actual <laughs> yeah. house, you know. But hey, we're investing, you know. Yeah. That's what Tommy yeah. told me to do. So mm-hmm. let me get a rental property and rent it. And I tried to rent it to all my friends. They went to MTSU. Oh my god! <laughs> I thought I had field parties. You should see what they did on my four acres. Damn, oh, man, it was yeah. crazy. They uh. They just destroyed the house. It didn't matter Damn. what I said. It don't matter about the lease agreement at that point. It was yeah. just like party, 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 party. Man, they had all. Did the they land. take advantage because y'all were friends? I think we were young. Okay, yeah. you know we yes. we lacked guidance and responsibility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even I'm not even mad at them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. hey, y'all y'all kind of had to spot. It's yeah, like, no, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, yeah, because even like in college, it was like the same thing. Like. We would like we would throw a bunch of parties out like our small apartment and like people would come over and it's not like you wouldn't even get mad if they broke something because like you're young you're drunk you're just having a good time or if we go somebody else's house 
would mess stuff up. But like, it's at that age, you don't, you don't even care, man. You're just trying to yeah. have a good time and get out of there. And it's not like yeah. you're coming from a place of malice. It's just like you're just wild, you know. What I mean? So, so what happened after like your buddies moved out? Like, what did you end up doing with that? So after not understanding the concept of long term wealth, um, <laughs> and and thinking that it's just cool to say that you got a rental house, mm-hmm. um, they all owed me for rent. Um, of course, <laughs> we didn't understand about getting attorneys and going to yeah. court. We just said, hey, we're going to cut our losses. So I, I actually yeah. called a good buddy of mine mm-hmm. that was in construction and my dad um, that, you know, um, I would shout out to him. You know, he's, he's a great man, um, did a good thing. Just because someone's not around doesn't mean that they're not good people mm-hmm. and they may not have the right intentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be things that was left out in that story. I don't know, but he's still mm-hmm. a great person. Um, mm-hmm. Reached out to him and he uh he came up and he actually helped me get this house together mm. that was, you know, of course, a few holes here and some flooring needed, some landscaping, some things. And at this point, it's for me to to get rid of it. Yeah. I just wanted the burden off my yeah. back. Yeah. I'm like, I just, whatever I got to do, Dad, you, yeah. know, you and your friend help me get yeah. out of this. Yeah. Before that, did you actually have a relationship with your pops? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so um, back when I was in sixth grade, I want to say I was 12 years old at the time. I told you my mom mm-hmm. um, lived at some points with, with my, my aunt and my mm-hmm. uncle. So mm-hmm. my uncle, um, he was a bachelor at the time, and he lived in Franklin, a place called Hard Bargain. Um, Hard Bargain is a place I was you know, raised on Hard Bargain. Mm-hmm. But um, my mom moved there and lived next door to my dad. Dad divorced in 1987. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. coincidentally, back in 1996, Oh, they're living beside each other. Damn. Just coincidentally. Yeah. And so <laughs> I lived with my mom and my dad. <laughs> yeah. I went back and forth. Okay. Of course, okay. I was the only boy of the family, so my mom yeah. was something more I gravitated to. Um, the girls were daddy girls, so they mm-hmm. stayed with her. I stayed with my mom. Mm-hmm. But um, it had a relationship. Yeah. yeah. And that was for like four or five years. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get that treatment, but... If if there was a resentment there, I would say it would be with him because, like, I'm, I'm the man, you know. Why he's with the girls, you know. My mom had to buy me the shoes. Like, mm-hmm. I thought dad and yeah. son did them things, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was the girls that was getting that, you know. So it wow, was cool yeah, though. They yeah. were getting their blessings from from him, and uh, he was doing a great job, working hard, a very hardworking marine man. Uh, he did he did what he had to do, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my mom was 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 my one. That was yeah. my go to. Yeah, that's really cool though. How you know, even though he wasn't around, he, and y'all moved together, he still was able to like at least do his job as a father in a way, you know, and provide and teach and you know build that relationship, which is I, I commend that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it says a lot about you also, just like being able to forgive. You know what I mean? And just I think you like understanding, like like you said, there's so many variables that we don't know that get left out in like the whole story that sometimes we hold on to like my dad wasn't around or whatever and like for me um when i was growing up in nigeria my dad moved to america he won the visa lottery like for a big part of, of my life i had so much resentment to that it was like even though you came here to like better my situation i still had resentment you know what i mean so i think a lot of times we just have to drop our ego and understand that like we're all flawed human beings we're all broken people and we're still figuring everything out as well so I think the more you come become in tune with, with your brokenness, the more you're more the more you understand somebody else's. So, and and I always love hearing about you know son and, and father stories because for me, like till this day, I don't even I, it doesn't register to me that I have a father. 
you know, because like I didn't grow up with my dad at all. And because <laughs> my pops had three wives at the same time. Right. And uh, my mom was like the last one. And you know, she wasn't having it. She got divorced. That's normal back home in Nigeria, you know, polygamy and things like that. And um, but my mom and, you know, and that family just didn't get along at all. And it was to a point where, like, I don't know if you've seen Harry Potter, but, you know, where, um, you know, when they mentioned like Lord Voldemort and like everybody's like, don't mention his name. <laughs> That's how it was with my mom. Right? She was like, don't you ever mention his name around me. And I couldn't talk about him, you know. So I just in a way, like at a very young age, how to forget that I had a father, yeah. you know, and and uh, and when I hear stories like that, I'm like, man, that's powerful. You know, it's really cool. Like just be able to have that that bond with your actual father. Now I have a stepfather, but it's not the same. Like that's still my possible. Like, you know, what I'm saying like yeah. it's, 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 it's not the same. Um, so you you from that property. Is that where you started? Is that where you started your uh, holding companies, like your construction companies? For the real estate aspect of it, because yeah. I, I didn't didn't know nothing about real estate at that time. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say it was a blessing to uh, accidentally sell something that was a burden at the time and became a financial gain. I was like, yeah. wait a minute, <laughs> okay, you've been having a lot of blessings, yeah, man. Probably. So, and, yeah, and it was just like, man, this is, this is kind of cool, yeah. <laughs> and that that really. Um, Brought a lot of insight of what the market was, and if y'all remember back then, in like oh five or six, the market was scorching hot. Yeah, so, I mean, I wasn't here by then, but, but like, I, I when I read history, yeah. like it was it was boom. It was great, yeah. yeah. And so you know, of course, the recession followed, but um, before then, it was like, wait a minute, I like that. I love the fact of change. Mm-hmm. I love to see something come from nothing. You know, whether it's fixing up cars as a youth and putting rims on them, like it wasn't so much about. How much I spent it, it was about, yeah. man, it was rough at first. Look how cool it looks now. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's what we had done to this house. So that was my first interest into flipping houses and getting into real estate uh, mm-hmm. outside of my own personal, you know, houses themselves. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, studying the history around that time was, was really interesting, man. Just, I, there was this movie I watched called The Big Short and it talked about, I don't know if you've seen it, but it talked about how, um, just like what happened around that market crash in 2008 like all the stuff that happened before that and just how banks were really giving like crazy <laughs> loans like sub it was a subprime subprime loans so people who don't know and correct me if i'm wrong but basically loaning out money to people who may or may not have paid it back or could could not pay it back. people couldn't afford it yeah uh, they were there would you know there was tricks in lending mm-hmm. uh that you could do um and the lenders were doing these type of things to where you take a loan and you actually say you're approved for one loan. Mm-hmm. You get approved from it, but that take that same packet. Your credit actually doesn't hit for a few days or sometimes a couple of weeks. That's mm-hmm. take that same packet and shop it and get you three or four loans before you, it shows in your wow. credit. <laughs> and so it was just they were just uh, loan shopping you. And so you can get a loan here, yeah. get a loan here, get a loan here, uh, and then boom, it hit your credit. But by that time, they've already lended you the money. Yeah. And as long as you had the cash to put down, which yeah. was typically 5 10%, you know, yeah. depending on what it is, they didn't care financially whether you could afford it. They were yeah. called stated loans. All you had to do is write your income. <laughs> oh Just God. stated it. You didn't have to prove it. <laughs> That's wild. And the mortgage fraud went crazy. Wow. Yeah. So how did, like, the whole recession affect you? Like, what was your experience in that space? Just, like in that real estate space and how how did you come out of that as well i think about it daily 
believe it or not. I think about uh, being 23, 24 years old, um, things that were going really well for me at that point in time, and I had built a, uh, a nice house, I would like to say, um, at that age, 3,800 square foot, 3,700. Pool, two and a half acres, you know. I uh, just had my daughter in 2006, you know, and um, I'm engaged. Life is rolling like you're hoping, you know, it would at the age yeah. of 23. Yeah. Um, and being fully invested at this point in time, there was no more clubs, and uh, I had bought a T-shirt in between that. And mm-hmm. I had sold that. Um, there was no more ideas, but fully invested in real estate and something I had a passion in of that mm-hmm. something to nothing. And I put all my eggs in a basket. Mm-hmm. And being 23, 24 at the time, you know, one of the biggest things that I had to endure is uh, mentorship. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. So when I was going through these problems, I was having to pay for them financially to figure them out mm-hmm. versus pay for them with my time or, or with uh, some experience or some hard work. I was mm-hmm. paying for them financially, which we know even the, the billionaires were losing at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So my pockets were nowhere near as deep. Yeah. So, you, so you were paying mentors to mentor you? Yeah, well, we were. I, I was hoping to have a mentor at that time, oh, okay. but I didn't. And so I was actually just paying for my lessons oh, of just like okay. losing this house here, yeah. oh, lose, losing oh, this deal you here. Yeah. Um, you know, we were operating. I created a corporation mm-hmm. and my, my actual fiance, my, my child's mother's father had been at Nissan for like 31 years. He's mm-hmm. about to retire. So he came on board and we started a, a corporation and, um, got to flipping houses. We just got got going crazy, mm-hmm. and of course we were running three or four of them at a time, and the market hit, and all of a sudden, you know, um, we're holding three or four loans that needed to be paid. Damn! And you're finishing the houses, but no one's gonna buy them, yeah. mm-hmm. and the people you put on the rent, they've lost their jobs. Damn! So what are you gonna yeah. do? Yeah. You know, um, so and you know you're you're not you're banking on what it used to be, not what it mm-hmm. is now. Mm-hmm. So you're not expecting things to go just as fast but when oa hit man it hit hard mm-hmm. and it hit fast mm-hmm. people immediately stopped lending yeah. because they caught on to the fraud that was right. going on so they stopped lending for people that was legitimate and and they made it really tough for them yeah and so that that hurt us yeah you know as a business and uh i struggled I, I i struggled um i think i lost I sold three of my houses for less than what I had in, mm-hmm. um, you know, outside of selling my cars. I hung on to one of the houses because it was my mom's house I had mm-hmm. bought her. She ended up moving closer to work and mm-hmm. we ended up getting her another property and, uh, I sold that one, but I lost, I lost the other ones. I lost mm-hmm. my personal house. Damn. Wow. At that point in time. And, you know, you're going through those things at the age of 24, yeah, 25. I'm 24 right now. Like, who do you call? Imagine. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even want to call. I didn't, yeah. you know, I can't call my dad. Right. Richard than he is. Yeah. He may not I can't know, call yeah. my mom. I take care of her. Yeah. You know, who do you call and confide into these things and say, Hey, what do I do? Right. And that's, that's what gave me the understanding during that time of how important mentorship is. Yeah. And guidance. I was going to um, say, like, where was Tommy at that point? Tom, Tommy was, was strictly involved into the, the restaurant. The Kings, yeah. I hadn't okay. spoke with him in, in, at that you, point in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't the, uh, he wasn't in that business. He was, mm-hmm. he was a guidance to get me to there mm-hmm. and gave me the great advice. But uh, He's opened the door for it. He, op- he opened the door. Yeah. gave me the idea mm-hmm. of what to do with something that he had blessed me with. Mm-hmm. But I, I didn't have that individual um, to guide. Like I say, you know, you couldn't reach out to your dad. Yeah. Just yeah. on some old 
simple things, you know, yeah. some simple financial advice. But you know, what do you do when you, you got X amount of loans? Yeah. And he's like, "How much?" <laughs> he's like, "Why the hell did you do that?" You know, you know, he's a very modest man that yeah. has no bills, lives in a very simple yeah. house. And like owes nobody anything, drives mm-hmm. the same truck for thirty five years, you know. Yeah. And I'm trying to tell him about all these loans I got. And he's yeah. like, I don't know. I've never <laughs> had it before. You know? I feel you. So. That's 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 tough. That's tough. So what was like the process of you building yourself back up? Because like I feel like in you're t- I'm twenty four right now. So like I can relate to what you're saying, but I cannot relate in the sense of like having that burden on me. Like at that time, and when you're taking care of so many people, yet you've done like you've done so many different things at that age. So you've been to the top. You've seen what being pretty well off looks like. You've seen what owning things looks like. You've seen what ownership looks like. Then having to like get back to the bottom. How was? How did you pull yourself up back up? Yo, what's happening, guys? It's Will Coffee with Tacos with the Twist. We're located at 810 Gale Lane in the Merrill's community. Make sure you guys tune in to the Village Boys each and every Tuesday for the dopest podcast show. If you happen to be in the Merrill's area between November 3rd and the 8th, we're going to bless you guys with the uh, 50% off using the promo code Village Boys and Taco 17. Again, that is a blessing of 50% off between November 3rd and the 8th using the promo code Village Boys and Taco 17. Hope to see you guys there. So, my daughter. I mentioned I had my daughter in 2006. Sometimes we don't find our purpose in life until the purpose presents itself. And I say that to say this is uh, in 2008, uh, my daughter was two at that time. I thought she was just a daughter. But do you realize that's your purpose? You know, it's time to, it's your motivation. Now you have someone to look up to you. When things are not going good, you can't hang your your head low and expect things to just be okay because yeah. it's not about you no more. Yeah, that's true. It's about my purpose. Keeps you honest. Yeah. yeah. So it was, um, I went through um, a situation with her mom and uh, her mom left us. You know, we were, we were financially down. And so I remember calling my mom. And um, at this point, my mom left. She's in Nashville, closer to work. And I said, hey, you know, I'm, I've got this two-year-old. I've got a house that like, I can't sell. I've got houses I'm losing. You know, what do I do? And she said, I'll tell you what, I, I'll take six months of leave off work. This ain't like you. You know, something ain't right. You know, I just need you to get yourself back together. So first and foremost, I went and got custody of my daughter. That was the first thing because I knew the importance of, um, of being a man. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to go through or have her go through what I went through at an early age by yeah. not understanding that dad's not here. Right. You know, dad's here. Right. I'm, I'm going to grab you at the lowest time. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what it happened. And so when her mom uh, went back to her parents in Mississippi, um, took charge of my daughter and learned a lot, you know, mm-hmm. then things that I didn't think, um, being that age or a kid can teach you. Mm-hmm. And it's patience was one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, nights when they, when she wouldn't stop crying or or something, and you just wanted to just like feel like life is just over with. You know, mm-hmm. it taught you patience. It just taught you like be patient. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be all right. But that was my that was my motivation. Mm-hmm. That when I found that purpose, and she began that purpose. So um, after sleeping on a few friends' couch mm-hmm. here and there um, with your daughter, yeah, with my daughter a couple Damn. times because I, I had to see her. She, mm-hmm. my, my mom was staying with. Uh, my aunt at the time, you know, she had moved throughout her life and bounced back and forth yeah. and slept on some couches. And uh, that was my only way to see her because 
I was losing my house. Right. So, you know, there was that thing to where I didn't want to go back there. There was a lot of loan um, things that they could do for us, forgiveness. But I built that house with me and her mom. I actually, yeah. there was an emotional piece that I didn't mm-hmm. want to go back. Mm-hmm. I just left. I just grabbed whatever I could and left. And like you just left that nice house, and like I actually don't even feel comfortable, and I don't. I'm not at peace no more. Because it's not. It's it's a house, but it's not a home. Nah, it's not a home no more. Yeah. It's just, this big old empty house, yeah. four bedrooms, and three car garage, and here we are, 24, trying to figure out how in the world we can buy our next meal. Mm-hmm. I don't even feel ethically right in this house mm-hmm. right now. So we, um, damn. So we, uh, yeah, she slept with me uh, on couches, uh, floor, had mattress. It, it was what it was, but. Um, Again, do you ever tell the stories about that? No, no, because I don't. I don't think that um, that I've had a a a good time, whether it's a right time or wrong time. Yeah. I don't think that we've had a situation to where she's ever wanted, or she's ever needed to hear the story, the, mm-hmm. the struggle part. Mm-hmm. And I'm waiting for that. Maybe yeah. it's a time of yeah. lack of gratitude mm-hmm. or a time of mm-hmm. not being honest, and I can I can display that and say, hey. Let me tell you that it ain't always been this good, you mm-hmm. know, when she, you know, maybe, like I said, like gratitude or, or whatnot, but I hadn't told her yet. Mm-hmm. And, th- and there's a lot that I'm sure she don't know. She's probably heard, mm-hmm. but she she hadn't heard it from me. Mm-hmm. How, old is, how old is your daughter? She's 14, 14 now. Yeah, yeah, 14. Man, that's powerful, man. Yes. Like that, 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 man, that hits me in the yeah, spot, bro. Not, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and just, just like the testament, it, it make it gives me insight to fatherhood. And just yeah. being a man, bro, you know, and just taking care of your freaking responsibilities regardless. You feel me? Like, that's respect. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it all flows back to your morals. I think a lot of times when people get into those positions of struggle, it's very easy to, like, neglect your responsibility. But you actually double down. I was like, I want my daughter. And I think a lot of times a lot of men will just run away in that situation. And because you could barely take care of yourself at that point. You like you don't want an extra. Sometimes they will look at it as a burden or for lack of a better word but it just shows you who you really are like in the moments of struggle i think that's when you truly see what a man is made of because it's easy to say all these moral things and i'm this and i'm that when everything is going well but once you actually get in a position where you actually have to exemplify that that's where a lot of people fall short so i mean it's i think for me and mecca guys that want to have kids one day it shows us that like even when things are not the best it's our responsibility to mm-hmm. keep our children beside us and find a way to make things work and i think that's why it goes back to your purpose i think it's your purpose in every way because god has blessed you with this person and it's your job to guide them through life but also your your job to mold them to be the best human being they could become and they that process when you start looking at it from that view life becomes so much bigger than you are and yeah so yeah, man, it's um, man, it's 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 really me putting myself in that in that situation is uh, it's fascinating, man, because you know, like like Vic said, like it's one thing to talk about it, but it's another thing to walk the walk, you know, and 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 that's the hard part, and and you know, being able to take that hit as a man financially. You know, especially when society is like, you know, we're supposed to be the breadwinner, you know, like actually, I'm curious about that, like how, like how did you, like, how did you not control your ego, but like, how did you, your ego not like, just make you be like, damn, like I'm, I can't even right now, I can't provide, you know, from 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 my daughter in, in the way that I want to. Like, did did that actually affect you in that way? Absolutely. Yeah. That, that that's the one thing that probably affected me the most. That, mm-hmm. You know, you don't. 
you don't display that to no one. It just yeah. burns you on the inside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it there's a good and all bad. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, there's a lesson to be learned. Right. And it was actually I enjoyed spending time with my child because I didn't have much work to do. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed being a being a dad. Mm-hmm. And whether that was supposed to happen that way or not, um, she she's got a great mother. Let me go ahead and say mm-hmm. that. Like she's a really good person mm-hmm. because she was dealing with some heartache and some things mm-hmm. that she was dealing with, and it's mm-hmm. okay. You know, we yeah. all can can go through some things and stuff like that. You know, whether I thought she made the right decision or not, mm-hmm. it put me in a position to be a great man. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah, it, it burns you because again. I try to sit down and talk to friends about it. They don't understand. They're yeah. just like, oh, okay. They're friends at find- that age, right? Yeah, friends at, my, yeah. at that age. Yeah. You know, they're a patch on the back. Well, you know, they have that, a beer or something. Yes. But it's just kind of like, all right, man, I can't say I empathize with you. Right. But I sympathize yeah. with you. Yeah. And so. Um, that must have been frustrating because you, like you say, you didn't even know who to call in a way. And, yeah. You know, and the one person I did want to call was my dad. Mm. Because. You my mom, wanna... yeah, you know, be that person that, oh, you're going to call me when you need something, yeah. that type of thing. But yeah. actually, uh, my dad was the only one to help me out. When I called Damn. him, I just told him the truth and told mm-hmm. him what was going on. And I said, I don't want to go back to the streets, but I will. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, mm-hmm. if I got to rip the cabinets out of this house and sell them for a wholesale on, on Craigslist to yeah. get mm-hmm. started, I will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, you know, being the man he was, he said, come down here. You know, I, I got a check for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the only person that gave me something. The entire time that's to help me, he um, he had stated he wanted me and my daughter to. Uh, he didn't like seeing me this way. I wasn't involved in, in drugs. I wasn't an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You know, like I wasn't that person that's like dwindled down. He's yeah. like, yeah, I said, I just got my, my child here. I just, yeah. I need some time. Buy me some time to get back on my feet. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wrote me a check, and we went and got an apartment together, one bedroom Damn. apartment. And so that's love. That, that that's was love. that's where we was in 2010, I think, yeah. at the time. Yeah. So you you've you've been in in pretty interesting situations where you've in a sense lived through two uh, um, financial crises, crises, mm-hmm. right? One in 08, 09, and then and then now. So so what how first of all how are you dealing with this one differently like i feel like you like you said you've learned some lessons from that one and now you're like it's like this has helped you boom and it's like from our conversation you know from with tacos with a twist and things like that um you know remember when i spoke on i think about it daily yeah you know because it's it's uh it's a nightmare to me mm-hmm. and one thing that i i focused on doing was what hurt me the most and mm-hmm. that was living something that i wasn't really what i was and it was um being in financial debt which is mm-hmm. one of the things i preach on mm-hmm. a lot that um you know a restaurant we've we've had a great opportunity made some some good decisions to where we have no debt at the restaurant mm, it's powerful yeah blessings to 2008 you know yeah. thank you yeah. you know you know we, we're not gonna put ourselves in that position we want to close we're gonna close but we're not gonna mm-hmm. owe nobody when we're closing either mm-hmm. we're gonna do it at our own terms um and so uh the steps that we made now were to Live below our means. Mm-hmm. Uh, the house is not a big anymore, but the income may be five times as heavier. Mm-hmm. And that's what 0809 cost me. And I, I never say that it was the worst time. It probably was the best thing that happened to me earlier. Mm-hmm. So that when things came at this yeah. point in time, you can, you can manage it because one thing is 
it's cool to get money, mm-hmm. but it's even harder to keep it. Mm-hmm. And that's where people struggle. They figure out, they, they, they can't figure out mm-hmm. exactly how to manage it properly or how to properly invest it. Mm-hmm. And that's the things that we've, uh, we've really stride on now, you know, in my real estate company and within the, the restaurant as well. Mm-hmm. It's been debt free business mm-hmm. and, awesome. and how to handle debt and stay pandemic or recession proof so that at any point in time, any loans or financing that we've pulled, um, whether it's to do a development and stuff, we actually have cash backing in the bank. I don't mm-hmm. pull any loan that I don't have yeah, money for in the bank. Damn, that's smart. Jay-Z said if you can't buy it twice, or uh, is it twice or three times? Three times. I think yeah, if you can't buy it three times, you, like, you ain't supposed to, you, you don't get it. Yeah. right? But that's obviously different from loans. Yeah. But it, it makes me think about like when you, when you want to be financially astute. Yeah. You want to make sure you have some type of collateral. You know what I'm saying? Like, especially liquid collateral. Like, you know, if I take out this loan, I need to make sure that I have some type of personal backing, you know, to be able to um, balance that out. Yeah. And credit is powerful if you use it right because mm-hmm. you can abuse it, you know, and that's that's what we were doing in 0809. We were abusing a a great system or, or, or a great economy that was flowing and some looseness in lending and we weren't using it properly. And so now uh, our focal point is to make sure lending goes through multiple stages. It's not just a stage that the bank willing to give it to. Yeah. We, we run it through an, an accountant. We run it through uh, an analytical with a lawyer. We want to make sure that we can truly afford mm. these type of things so that the pandemic or these things hit, we make the best decisions for ourselves, our kids, um, and so that we can move on to the next deal, you know, and let our losses not be losses, but the lessons. Mm. So. It's a lot of bars in there. But, um, yeah, I think that's why financial literacy is important in black communities, because I, a lot of times we have to learn these lessons the hard way because we don't have the guidance or we don't have the mentorship, like you mentioned, to go pick their brain and tell them, Ask him, hey, should I do this or should I not do that? And I think it's also a blessing you learned that so early at 24 years old because, like, a lot of times when people get, like, the COVID now, there's people that are, like, 50 years old or 60 years old and, like, they can't handle it now because they haven't been in situations where they they had to figure it out, you know? So I think, like you said, I think a lot of times life's those things at us that we think are inherently bad or good or whatever, but perspective and, like, the journey of life usually deep. I'm losing my train of thought. Down the down, <laughs> yeah, down the line of life, I think a lot of times we we label things without necessarily giving life the, the space to materialize. And that's why it's important. I heard this quote. It was like we're spiritual beings. Where it's not like an an experience doesn't happen that is good or bad. It's our mindset on that experience is what creates the next experience. And I think it's important that we keep our mind pure and also let, let things materialize. Cause at that stage, I bet you were like, man, this sucks. This is terrible. And now that's what's, that's the thing that set the precedent for you to be comfortable now. So. If you listen all the way through to this point, thank you. We really do appreciate your support and allowing us to do what we love. Thank you so much. But this story, though, geez, I don't know about y'all, but this is one of my favorite personal stories I've heard, period. What was your favorite part so far? I think I think mine was when he was able to get custody of his daughter. And I've always believed that a person's true character will shine the brightest 
in the midst of any challenge, good or bad. And watching how he took responsibility for his daughter really inspired me as a man, first. And secondly, as a future father, as a person who desires to be a father. And just hearing about that really just, man, it was powerful to me, right? So what's next? Uh, This last segment gets into how Tacos with a Twist gets started. I'm talking about this man wasted absolutely no time buying this property. Just listen to this real quick. So speaking of the debt-free establishment you got, congrats, by the way. Thank you, brother. I think this is the part probably a lot of people want to know. Like, how did that come about? Like, where did Tacos with a Twist come from? Because you've told me this. It's the, what, the first black-owned taco spot in Nashville, right? It is. It I is. love it. Actually, in Tennessee. In Tennessee. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So where did that come from? So the uh, the idea um, during the 2004, 2005 um, a club thing that we were mm-hmm. doing, lounge, and, of course, we were really club. Yeah. I went down to Miami for the first time ever um, before my child's mother. I met her, a really nice lady down there. This showed me around of uh, Bunkery Town, uh, Fort Lauderdale, North Beach, and South Beach, Miami. And so I really got to experience this, like, really colorful, fun, beachy atmosphere. And I was like, wow, this is life. This is this is it down here. Like, man, like, holy smokes, you know? Like, and like everybody's just awesome, man. Like, yeah. the vibe is good. The women are gorgeous. All these great things. And I noticed they were hanging around. The spots are just, like, pretty uplifting, fun. People seem yeah. exciting. And so to fast forward, um, when it was time for me, and, and of course, I've, been in the bar business somewhat Mm -hmm. so i've always had a thought of owning my own bars again not so much a restaurant but um this opportunity came about when that space became available i actually bought that place without knowing what i was going to put in it and for people who don't know that space before that was gordon's was gordon's Uh uh-huh gordon's was it gordon's hot chicken was it Uh, gordon's hot chicken gordon's hot chicken yeah they're hot yeah they had some pretty decent hot chicken but for some reason they closed i don't know why they closed but they closed down so we i actually um was uh, in Denver uh, back in May of 2019, mm-hmm. and I was snowed in at a, at a at a bar called Barcode. Shout out to the lady that owns that. I forget her name, but I was snowed in. Oh, I feel like they have a bar. Yeah. That, I feel like that's another place in another city, like in either yeah. L.A. or Miami that, or Barcode. Yeah, yeah, yeah Barcode. So, yeah. so we we were down there, and um, um, I was actually snowed in the place in downtown Denver with the owner. About to catch a flight, and it got snowed in and missed my flight. So Damn. came down about two and a half, three feet of snow, couldn't leave. And I'm looking at this bar, and I'm like, I love this thing. <laughs> I'm like, freaking, this is cool. Small, yeah. simple, four yeah. or five couches, long yeah. bar, that's yeah. it. Damn. I'm like, man, this is cool. And um, I'm sitting in there. I like tacos, of mm-hmm. course. So mm-hmm. I'm one of them guys that can eat Mexican food every day. Yeah, like <laughs> something, you know, whether it's just a quesadilla or just a rice and cheese pico. Yeah. You know, so I'm sitting in there and like, man, I love it. So I actually am bored and I get online and I'm looking for businesses and bars to buy back home because I'm snowed in this bar. Mm-hmm. It's like one, two in the morning, missed my flight. So the flight didn't leave to like 4.30. 
So the lady was like, well, you guys can just stay here. We're going to just end up staying because we're stuck. You know, we can't get out. Y'all can just stay here, order some, cook some food back in the back. You know, we can order some from right around the corner, some other places. And this bar was in the airport? No, this bar was just downtown Denver. Oh, okay. We never made it to the airport because oh, it was actually snowed in. Gotcha. So I get online, and uh, Gordon's was the first bar I seen it for sale. I had never been to the place, Damn. but I knew where it was located mm-hmm. in Nashville, South Nashville, Faith Avenue. And I was like, man. I think that place is kind of decent. You know? mm-hmm. It is so, very yeah, decent. Yeah, I was yeah. like, man, it may be a cool size. Yeah. Notice it had went out, you know, went out of business. Um, they were just selling asset sale pretty much. Mm-hmm. So I contacted one of my buddies that I had, had known had been there and said, hey, can you get the owner on the phone? Though I see a realtor right here, like, mm-hmm. see what we can get done. Maybe if we, you know, mm-hmm. do it off the table. Yeah. And so uh, he called him, got him on the phone. It's just like 1230 at night. Um <laughs> Flight left at four thirty in the morning. I had a meeting with him at eight that morning. I bought Damn. the place at nine. Oh wow! Damn, man. Hey, you was you you was not playing. <laughs> I, I, so I called the uh, I called the lady from from Barcode, yeah. the owner, and uh, I, did, I actually didn't call her. We had we had, uh, reached out to her, and we had told her, uh, you know, if we get this place, we're gonna yeah. let you know. So I remember sending her an email, and uh, being like, hey. Not even twelve hours. Yeah, I'm like I own a bar, and so it was a it was awesome. And and, you know, she was very congratulatory, you know, with that because she's like, you really went back home and bought one. I was like, I sure did. So I closed in a couple of weeks, but that was that was how the beginning before we knew tacos with a twist was existence. Mm. That's how the space came available. That's awesome. I feel like the theme with your whole life story is like. Things that are like are supposed to be bad things always turn out to be really good things for you. Like just like the fact of being like stuck in Denver or whatever, and your flights. Like a lot of people will be angry and yeah. like, man, this sucks. But like your mindset was like, all right, I like this place. I'm gonna, I'm gonna chill. I'm gonna think about yeah. something, and it turned out to be like a life changing thing for you. So like, even if you went on that plane, you might have not been in that space to get the innovation in your mind that like materialize this place so it's it's so weird how like a lot of times like life just plays out and it's it's very interesting what you said makes me question like do we do we miss our blessings when we react to situations you know because like i think there's a difference between reacting and responding you know like when you react it's very like emotional it's very humanistic it's very animalistic in a way but when you respond you're more you know operating from a higher self you know and it makes me question like the times that we react to situations that are like quote-unquote bad do we miss like like our blessings and you know it may you know because it makes me think back like damn like when i when i've reacted like what blessings have i missed (laughs) you know like could i have been a billionaire by now because i've been reacting to situations you feel me (laughs) it it went back to one of my, my, my partners back when you know i was doing my thing um he, you know, you would something that wouldn't be going your way. He, he would always use this term. Never forget. He said, "Stop resisting life and start enjoying it." Quit resisting. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, like that basically means like there's there's something behind it. Mm-hmm. If you're sitting out in the, uh, you're locked out of your house right now. You waiting on the lock, man. You know why are you gonna be all mad? Mm-hmm. You may need to sit outside with your old lady. There may be some catch up time that y'all yeah. need to spend. So it was always a, uh, and not that I always used that, mm-hmm. but. Uh, looking back, some of the the times that the blessings I thought came was because I wasn't really existing it. Mm-hmm. I, I accepted it, mm-hmm. Ooh, and I enjoyed it. That's mm-hmm. the word. And you just accept it because yeah. you gotta know 
what you can control and mm-hmm. what you can't. Mm-hmm. And that's the idea of stress. Control mm-hmm. the controllables. Mm-hmm. What you can't, smile and keep it moving. Yeah. And uh, you can't control that. So mm-hmm. um, that's what life is. Yeah. So there's going to be good in all situations. Mm-hmm. But as we know, life is perspective and it's a perception. It's about how you see it mm-hmm. and how you want it. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing you mentioned uh, what you can't control and what you can't control because what we can't control is a lot it's everything outside of us but what we can control is just one thing which is in ourselves Mm -hmm. but the thing about it is the one thing that we can't control controls everything else Mm -hmm. which is such a paradox you know and it's like we miss that like as human beings like we miss the fact that you can't control what the weather's going to be like tomorrow you know what i'm saying like that's just you're intentionally making yourself suffer Mm -hmm. when you try to control things Mm -hmm. like i was watching this um this documentary on couples therapy and I was really fascinated by it but there was this lady on there she uh, her name was Ava and you know she's a she's a controlling she just she has to control things you know and obviously because of past trauma right because you know she went through abusive relationships and she was like because I allowed life to flow yeah I ended up in that abusive relationship so her mindset was like i have to control life like life is not going to be good unless i control it she's stressed yeah stress and she's suffering you know what i'm saying and now her husband her current husband is like the brunt of that suffering so now he has to be the target of that you know what i'm saying and it just i was just watching it i was like man like she's really really suffering because she's really trying to control this thing called life that we don't even freaking know what the hell right. life is, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Versus controlling the, like you said, the controllable. And that's powerful. It's, it's simple, but it's so powerful. And some things that people, uh, attempt to control is within our inner is really just our emotions and our feelings. Mm-hmm. No one makes you feel a certain way, but you, mm-hmm. you choose to think that way. That's no one true. can influence you to yeah. feel or think the way you think. And it, once we learn to control our emotions, the sky's the limits mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. where we strive from. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think you said a brilliant thing where it's like the one thing that we can control is what like destroys and, um, contaminates the whole experience. And, like you said, I think a lot of times it, it's just our ego that's narrate, like navigating the conversation because our ego wants to be in control. And naturally, as humans, we think that this experience is very singular. Like, if I do this and I do that, we operate from this like mathematical sense. If I do this and I do that, then I should always get this result back. And in reality, there's so many variables that happen in life. And it's cliche, but like a lot of things are just, there's a lot of good and bad things, mm-hmm. regardless of how you want to quantify it. But like you said, I think a lot of times we miss so many blessings by getting our egos involved in situations. And it all flows down to understanding your mind. And I think that's why you need to do your inner work because a lot of those things are just trauma that manifest in different ways. And for me, like recently, I've just been understanding like there's so many situations that like I feel like life owes me this. You know what I'm trying to say? Like life owes me this. I did this and I did that and I should get this. And like you said, this person is just stressed and stress could be a very contaminating things. And it not only affects us, like that woman's situation is affects her husband as well, because he starts thinking, what am I doing wrong? So like our actions go far deeper than us. And it's our job to do the inner work that makes us the healthiest because the healthier we become, the more innovative we become and the more value we put on the table. So 
I love that. I love that. So, Mr. William, what uh, last thing is what is what is your life's mantra per se that you can leave for us? What's one thing that you always follow, one of your biggest codes in life that you're like, this is what has helped me through a lot of things in life? Whoa. Man, that's a tough one. Um top two. Um People change. People don't change because they uh, they see the light. People change because they feel the heat. <sighs> That's Ooh. a bar. I'm writing that down right now. People don't change because they see the light. They change because they feel the heat. Mm-hmm. They, and that goes, um, don't change because things are there. When you're going through it and, and things get tough. That's the time to change. That's mm-hmm. the time to focus. Not because of where you're going. It's because of what you're going through currently. Mm-hmm. Um, and change is one of the most important things that we as human beings um, struggle to adapt to because we get complacent. Mm-hmm. We get comfortable within whatever mm-hmm. our life is yeah. or um, our lifestyles or mm-hmm. relationships. But um, change is, is important. Change means growth. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that... Um, we set our standards as as a as youth, and we think we have to stay that way. It's okay to change. It's okay to be who you want to be, and not be who they think you should be or where you came from. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, for my thing is uh, change. Uh, I felt the heat a lot mm-hmm. in my life, and that's what was my change. It wasn't because I seen that you can make millions. We all we all can see that, mm-hmm. but that wasn't what's going to make me change. What's going to make me change is. The heat, mm-hmm. that heat, that recession, mm-hmm. you know, that being a dad, that, mm-hmm. you know, going through some um, early business decisions and hoping to make the better decisions on down the road. Mm-hmm. That was what was powerful to me. That was my heat. Mm-hmm. And so that's one of the things I can say I really uh, focus on is, um, you know, how and when to change and, and, and how to continue to grow. Mm-hmm. So. Almost makes me want to ask, like, should we seek heat? <clears throat> or should you just let the heat come to it? I think seeking it will be uh will be uh transpired as laziness, you're not reacting, you're not mm-hmm. responding. Mm-hmm. I think we um we should adjust to it. Mm-hmm. Um and I say that uh to go back to, you know, a, a few minutes back when we talked about uh life and people not um, not accepting it for what it is mm-hmm. and they're resisting it. Mm-hmm. And when you resist the things you can't control, mm-hmm. you become into that that stress ball that we as man um, have dealt with. But you know you want to be able to actually uh, not resist it, allow what it is, and know how to respond or or, or to react to it. Um, but control the controllables. Um, I wouldn't let myself get burnt up, but I know when it has time to change so that I can head towards the light. Mm-hmm. So. And I heard a quote actually like couple of days ago and it was like it kind of flows with what you said it was like ease is the greatest threat to success than hardship and i think a lot of times we gotta we, we gotta get comfortable be, comfortable being uncomfortable and a lot of good things come out from that and a lot of lessons come out from that and also like the point you made about resisting i think i was in church a couple months ago and the pastor made a beautiful analogy it was like re, like we need to accept what life or what it is and a lot of times it's like we're holding this beach ball and like you put a beach ball in water and you're like pushing it down. Mm-hmm. You could hold it for a while, mm-hmm. but like 
at the end of the day, it's going to atrophy your muscle and yeah. eventually your muscle is going to give out and you're going to, it's going to, like, it's just going to go away. You know what I'm trying to say? So I think a lot of times we we resist and we resist. And because we could do resist for so long, we forget, like, the long-term um the long-term problems that come with that. Mm-hmm. So I think life is just one of those things where you just have to accept. Accept this is always the first step to to just understanding life's whole process, you know? And too many times we're stuck at not even giving us a chance because we resist. Yeah. So, yeah. I love this, man. This is, man, this is dope. This is dope. Appreciate you coming okay, on, brother. No problem at all. Thank you for blessing us, I man. I appreciate you guys. I, yeah. I do want to add one more thing onto it uh, mm-hmm. before you know we we exit this this great mm-hmm. opportunity. Is uh, you asked me a couple things, mm-hmm. and um, that was one that I stride off with. But I do have a That's word. That's a man that keeps his word. I love <laughs> yeah. it. I fucking love it. That's a man that keeps his freaking uh, word. I love it. I I, uh, <laughs> I I leave some people with a word that's um, taken lightly, but should be taken very heavily at all times. Grateful, gratitude, mm-hmm. those things will help with anything. And I say anything, which is an absolute uh, anything that you're going through. If you find the gratitude and the gratefulness for it, you will find a way out. No mm-hmm. matter what you're going through, mm-hmm. be grateful. We all have something to be grateful for, different mm-hmm. ways, different outlooks. That's my other thing. If I can stay grateful, it's followed by humbleness. It's followed by responsibility, caringness, all the eight attitudes of life. But start by being grateful. And you appreciate everything else that goes wrong or what goes good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Real quick, what are the eight attitudes of life? Oh, man. If you remember. Jeez, uh, I should know these right here. Um, honesty, responsibility, humility, um, caring, gratitude. It's been a while. Um, Is it eight attitudes of personal change or life? Uh, personal change, life. I, okay. think, I think there should be eight. Um, man, you've stumped me here. <laughs> well, I think I found it. Hold on. Let's see. Uh, no, nah, this ain't it. No, nah, this ain't it. Uh, see, we got honesty, um, gratitude, humility. Is it like the cardinal virtues in yeah, a way? Uh, it, charity. Not charity. Okay. Um, there's three more that, I, that I'm missing. Okay. Well, they're very important. <laughs> um, of course, being put on the spot, you know how that's Nah, you good. Know you good. I like it, though. Let's see. Um, Eight attitudes. Where's happiness. Like, oh, is this like from a book or? It's from, um, so with uh, with my experience, one of the things, um, I got them right here. Today. There you so, go. So one of the <laughs> things that, you know, we I went through was uh, some trials and tribulations throughout mm-hmm. my life. And I, I had... I said the pleasure. Most people didn't like it. I had the pleasure of taking a, a course called the RDAP program, which is psychological, uh-huh. to help change your thinking, yeah. change your irrational thoughts to more rational. Yeah. Because actually, um, uh, the morals of, of life are based on an eighth grade or below education. Mm-hmm. People think you have to be smart to be a, a good person. Yeah. And it's actually, if you, you want to be smart, you need to be able to understand an eighth grade education or below because it's not about intelligence of being mm-hmm. a good person. It's about the moral mm-hmm. qualities, which base off the eight attitudes of life, which are honesty, humility, objectivity, gratitude, caring, responsibility, open-mindedness, willingness. And if you apply all those supposedly in a daily life, mm-hmm. you will get a, get a better outcome. Could you please send that to me real quick? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I think like you could tell you've done some like – 
some work on your mind and like taking courses and stuff because like just like you talk from a very healthy place on just relationships even relationships that that didn't necessarily go the best like i feel like you're always empathetic and compassionate enough to understand their perspective or understand their point of view and like i think a lot of people are going to relate to the story because like i always say i think people naturally gravitate towards stories of struggle than they do of perfection and i think yeah i think people are really gonna mess with this episode yes sir Thank you, brother. All love. I appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. And that's a wrap. Okay. When I don't finish, I'll be. Ha. No, y'all. But for real, though, we thank you so, so, so much for listening all the way through. It means more than you can ever imagine. The fact that you guys listen all the way through probably means that you like us, even if it's a little bit. So go ahead and subscribe, leave a review. We're definitely going to read it all. And follow us on social, specifically Instagram, at Village Boys Pod, at Village Boys Pod. And it's with a Z, by the way. Um, and most definitely and more importantly, we shall catch you on the next episode. Oh, yeah. Vamos.